Chapter 3, The Dominion. The rhythmic auditory mix of nightlife in the city is suddenly disrupted as two men in a dead sprint dodge streetcars and other traffic hazards as if they are running for their life. Both men safely reach the other side of a four-lane street and press themselves against a brick building around the corner. They're going to find us for sure. They're operatives everywhere. We're going to have to split up or they'll catch us both. Okay. We'll split up and lay low for a couple of days. Then meet me at the strip mall in the coffee house next to the abandoned paper mill. You know the one I'm talking about, right? Yeah, I know where it is. Now you take care of yourself, man, and watch your back. Don't worry about me. Just get out of here. Kane watches from about a half block away as he raises his two-way to his lips. I see them! Ramirez, Rayland, coordinate on my position. The two fleeing men split off and run in two different directions. <sighs> They're rabbiting. One of them is going down the alley. The other is headed toward Lincoln and Fifth. I've got the one in the alley. You both take the other. Hey, hold it right there. Kane darts after him. The man continues down the alley, turning back occasionally to see how far the operative is behind him. About two blocks away, the other man has made his way into a residential neighborhood. He quietly jumps a fence leading to someone's backyard and hides behind a shed. Sitting quietly, he can barely hear the two operatives as they search for his whereabouts. Did you see where he went? He couldn't have gotten far. We were right on him. Raylan walks right next to the shed that the man is crouched behind, but he doesn't notice him. The man bites his tongue when he sees a dog emerge from the shed and begins to bark at the operative. You check that way. I'll check over here. Shut up, dog. I had to blow your head off. A woman steps out on the back porch. Dozer! Dozer, keep it down out there! She notices Raylan, who seems to be hiding something behind his back. Hey! Who are you? What are you doing in my backyard? Just get back in the house, lady. She slips behind the door and closes it part way. Get out of my yard right now or I'm calling the police. Raylan reveals his gun and points it at the lady. Ah! I said get back in the house. The dog clamps down on Raylan's arm, almost setting the gun off. Ah! Get off me, you dumb dog! Dumb dog. Raylan straightens and puts pressure on his injured arm. He looks around to see how much attention he has drawn to himself and notices someone wedged between the shed and the fence. It is Tyrell, the man he's been looking for. Well, well, look at what we have here. The second man being chased in the alley begins climbing an array of uneven crates that lead to the top of a jewelry building. While still running, Kane pulls out his gun and takes a shot at the man. A spark appears right next to the man's leg as the bullet ricochets off the concrete building. He pulls himself on the roof just as the operative reaches the crates below and takes out his two-way. I've got him. Coordinate on my position. He's climbing the roof of Jay's Jewelers. I need some people down here quick. <sighs> Terrence, don't make me come up there. <sighs> okay, have it your way. <sighs> but when I catch you, I'm going to use the knife. Not the gun. The operative climbs the crates. He reaches the top and looks up just in time to see a two-by-four swinging in his direction. Before he can duck, the board smacks him square in the head, sending him back about 20 feet as he and a couple of crates come crashing down. 
Terrence looks over the edge to see the operative on the ground, then drops the board and darts off. Tyrell, the other man, is in handcuffs, and Raylan roughly pulls him so close that their noses almost touch. You know that was really stupid what you did. Nobody leaves the Dominion. You know that. Now where's your friend? Come on, man. Where's the guy you were with? Terrence, I think it is. Now I know that two people wouldn't split up without planning to hook up later down the road. So tell me where you're meeting up. Raylan puts the gun to Tyrell's left temple. Come on, Einstein. I don't have all day. Do you think I'm joking? I'm going to blow your head off. Tyrell defiantly spits in Raylan's face. Raylan? Raylan, what's happening? Raylan, talk to me. What's going on? Raylan! What? Tyrell lay on the ground, unmoving. Raylan stares at the body. He knows he was just duped. A quick death isn't what Kane would have had in mind. After a few seconds, he darts away from the crime scene. The door of a dirty yellow cab opens and Terrence, the surviving defector, hurries in. I need to get out of town. There's an extra 20 in it if you do it quietly. Kane is sitting up now with his two-way in his hand. Still shaken from the blow to his face, he wipes the blood on his sleeve before he continues. So he's dead then. You should have kept him alive, just in case the other got away. Now listen, we need to find Terrence tonight. If he's not found by morning, the location of our new headquarters will be compromised, among other things. We'll put out a notice to the entire sector. His operative name is Terrence. Birth name is Troy Walburn. He's 5'11", medium build, brown hair, brown eyes. Last seen wearing jeans and a black t-shirt. Yeah, and post his picture on the network. We can't mess up on this one. Ah, he broke my nose! The second man being chased in the alley begins climbing an array of uneven crates that lead to the top of a jewelry building. While still running, Kane pulls out his gun and takes a shot at the man. A spark appears right next to the man's leg as the bullet ricochets off the concrete building. He pulls himself on the roof just as the operative reaches the crates below and takes out his two-way. I've got him. Coordinate on my position. He's climbing the roof of Jay's Jewelers. I need some people down here quick. (sighs) Terrence, don't make me come up there. (sighs) Okay, have it your way. But when I catch you, I'm going to use the knife, not the gun. The operative climbs the crates. He reaches the top and looks up just in time to see a two-by-four swinging in his direction. Before he can duck, the board smacks him square in the head, sending him back about 20 feet as he and a couple of crates come crashing down. Terrence looks over the edge to see the operative on the ground, then drops the board and darts off. Tyrell, the other man, is in handcuffs, and Raylan roughly pulls him so close that their noses almost touch. You know that was really stupid what you did. Nobody leaves the Dominion. You know that. Now where's your friend? Come on, man. Where's the guy you were with? Terrence, I think it is. 
now I know that two people wouldn't split up without planning to hook up later down the road. So tell me where you're meeting up. Raylan puts the gun to Tyrell's left temple. Come on, Einstein. I don't have all day. Do you think I'm joking? I'm going to blow your head off. Tyrell defiantly spits in Raylan's face. What? Tyrell lay on the ground, unmoving. Raylan stares at the body. He knows he was just duped. A quick death isn't what Kane would have had in mind. After a few seconds, he darts away from the crime scene. The door of a dirty yellow cab opens and Terrence, the surviving defector, hurries in. I need to get out of town. There's an extra 20 in it if you do it quietly. Cada quien lo suyo. Kane is sitting up now with his two-way in his hand. Still shaken from the blow to his face, he wipes the blood on his sleeve before he continues. So he's dead then. You should have kept him alive, just in case the other got away. Now listen, we need to find Terrence tonight. If he's not found by morning, the location of our new headquarters will be compromised, among other things. We'll put out a notice to the entire sector. His operative name is Terrence. Birth name is Troy Walburn. He's 5'11", medium build, brown hair, brown eyes. Last seen wearing jeans and a black t-shirt. Yeah, and post his picture on the network. We can't mess up on this one. Ah, he broke my nose! Mariah, Susan, and Reason strain their eyes to make out the surroundings of a horse's stable just in the outskirts of town. Reason helps Susan onto a hay bale with great care. The stable is a little run down, but Reason believes it won't draw suspicion. He remembers this place from his work in the insurance business. The stables are set up for a small riding school that is headed for bankruptcy and currently under investigation for tax evasion. There isn't much activity around this area, especially this late at night. Besides... The employees have been temporarily laid off and the school is closed until all legal matters have been settled. There are only three people who take care of these stables now, and they are asleep. Well, it's not the Ritz, but it's home for now. And there was no room in the inn for them, so they stayed in the stables. How are you feeling, Susan? It's still very tender, but I'll be okay. You know, we really need to get a real safe house. Yeah? One with a bathroom and running water? We can search the area for a better place to hold up when the traffic dies down. We may not find something in the best neighborhoods, but it should have better accommodations. Good. I like a good fixer-upper. So, Mariah, do you have anyone at home to go back to? No. My foster mother died a few years back. And, well, as Susan knows, my uncle was killed. And I'm all alone again. Well, you can consider us your new family. We are all pretty much on our own now. Yeah, I guess we are. Reason, I know it's hard. I know that you miss your mom and that it's hard to be alone. But that's why we have to stick together. We need to be there for one another like you've been there for me and Mariah was for you. Now more than ever, 
We need to look out for each other. You're right, Susan. But if the truth be told, I think it's going to get harder before it gets easier. We're still struggling to figure out what's going on here. It seems that the Dominion Empire knows exactly what's going on. They seem to be holding all the cards. They have more people, more knowledge, and more connections than we do. But we have something that they don't have. What's that? We have God in our corner. You know, I read a part in the Bible that says if Jesus be for us, who can be against us? We have the ultimate warrior on our side. It doesn't matter if there are a thousand of those assassins out there. And if we do happen to die, we're going to heaven. Either way, we ultimately win. Yeah. I remember a big part in the Bible where Jesus says that a house against itself cannot stand. That's why we have to come together. We'll be stronger, much stronger. And what about that part where the Bible says, greater is he who is within me than he who is within the world? We're not really alone at all, are we? No, I guess not. He will never leave us or forsake us. Though it may not seem like it right now, we're in good hands. I don't know about you, but this seems like a really good time to pray. I'm just thankful that we're alive. The new Dominion stronghold looks noticeably different. It was originally only a branch of the United States West Network, but now serves as a parent head since the original location has been compromised. It has the look of a converted office building. This particular building was commandeered by a sector general of the Dominion who coerced the owner to sell cheap. The business itself is still operating, but the rooms on the upper levels have been taken over by the Dominion. Conference monitors have already been installed and network capabilities upgraded. Hardwire lines and satellite communication and encryption were first priority. Herrick stands in front of a bank of monitors that almost take up the entire wall. He is flanked by two high-ranking warlocks. Dylan is one of them. Faces of Dominion heads and encrypted information appear on each monitor, but the conference spokesman is not seen. It seems that he has called this meeting and that he is in charge of all the Dominion heads. Dylan adjusts the sound level as the meeting continues. Hey, report. Everything is under control here in Africa. Operations are moving smoothly, with the exception of small pockets of organized rebellion here. We have identified the main opposition. His name is Karwi Tan. A photo of Karwi appears on the screen along with his vital statistics. He is a young, bald black man in an expensive business suit. Plans are underway for his elimination. Deuce, our champion, has been in training and is expected that this small disruption will be disposed of very soon. Recruitment is slow but steady. It seems that our usual methods are ineffective, but we've come up with a new one. Harith? My first has recently been inducted to assume the role of our champion here in Australia. We have finally learned the identity of our opposition. She is female. Her name is Olivia George. We have yet to pinpoint her exact residence, but we will know very soon. The operation is as good as can be expected. Our drug shipments are on the rise. The cartels have taken notice of our champion, who I've named the first. I think we will have their full cooperation in the coming months. Shinara reports. Kraken, our champion, has been deployed to the residence of Manuel Melendez, the opposition in South America. We are continuing operations to flush out his location, but we have located and destroyed his family, so we expect to see him surface soon. Recruitment here is on the rise. 
we have inducted two high-profile Latino gang leaders to run a few of our foot operations. Even before joining, they've had a reputation of campaigning a rash of church burnings in our northern sector. Good. How is Things have improved. Our champion, the Destroyer, is recovering quickly. Apparently, we've underestimated Fui Lin, our female Asian opposition here. Our influence with the political leaders in Japan have proven to be quite lucrative. We expect to see threefold in our initial return. Our warlocks, however, are becoming more concerned with the prospects of the opposition's probability of success if they all remain alive before the unleashing. No need to worry yourself, Harwick. The unleashing will occur. Nothing on Earth will stand in its way. Sylvia, report. Manituk has had difficulty pinning the location of the Eastern United States opposition. Her name is Mariah Tremblay, and we have reason to believe that she has fled the sector. An investigation is currently underway. All other operations are normal. <laughs> Harwin? I have received report from Kilroy, my champion in Europe. It seems that he has severely injured the opposition who has been identified as Jean-Claude Lafitte. He is expected to be eliminated by the end of the day. And hack. We've had to relocate our headquarters to the alternate location. Our whereabouts have been compromised. I believe that we have pinpointed the location of Mariah Tremblay from the eastern U.S. sector. She aided in the rescue of the opposition here in the western United States. He goes by the name Reason. We've also had two defectors from our collective. One has been eliminated. The second is still at large. I am confident he will be in our custody within the hour. The late hour signals closing time at a local bar. Only a few occupants remain. Kane sits at a table, his eyes trained on a black man sitting 30 feet away at a bar finishing his drink. This should be easy. Once they have Terrence, the remaining defector in custody, Herrick will be back on track. Kane continues to speak in his cell to Gromit and Sarek, two Dominion operatives that have earned his trust. Okay, move in. Gromit walks out of the bathroom, adjusts his earpiece, and moves confidently toward the target who quickly pays for his drink and makes his way toward the exit. He's on the move. Sarek, you'll have to cut him off at the door. Grauman, stay with him. Kane stands up as he watches Terrence exit the building. Grauman is close behind. The defector shuffles through a tight corridor leading to the back of the building. As Grauman closes in behind, he pulls out his revolver. Right as the target reaches the door to the outside, Sarek steps in front of him and plants the barrel of his gun in the man's chest. Hey, mate, where do you think you're going, you slippery little snake? You thought you could get away, did you? What is this? Who are you? Grauman slams the butt of his gun into the base of the man's head, sending him to the ground unconscious. Grauman is stunned as he realizes that they've made a mistake. Wait, wait, take a breather, mate. It's not him. What? It's not him. It's not Terrence. Are you sure? Sarek turns the body over as Kane walks in the corridor. Grauman's fears are realized. It isn't Terrence, only someone who looks similar. Well, call me a one-legged gecko. Kane, we just cocked an innocent. Kane. Kane, what should we do with him? Bury him. Kane angrily walks away. Sarek and Grauman look at each other in stunned confusion. Bury an innocent? 
This is rarely done, but they were given a direct order. Well, you heard the man. Let's go. A feeling wells up inside of Kane. A feeling that he isn't accustomed to having. Fear. He lights a cigarette and places the call. This is Kane. It wasn't him. We haven't been able to find him. Please, Your Excellency, if I may, just give me Agravain. Then we'll have him in no time. He's got a nose for these kinds of things. I know that he is searching for reason right now. But with his help, we can end this right now. Yes, thank you. He'll be in our custody within the hour. As Kane closes his cell, he is well aware of how close he came to retirement. Herrick doesn't tolerate mistakes. Kane's predecessor knew that quite well. Now that Kane has Agravain, his chances for success have at least tripled. The morning light breaks through the clouds. Terrence, the real Terrence that is, stands outside a coffee house trying to blend into the shadows. He pulls his coat tightly around himself, eyes quickly scanning his surroundings as he watches the cab drive away. My only hope is to find reason before they do. The opposition is the only safe place for me now. If I don't find them within the next 12 hours, I know I'm a dead man. Terrence looks at his watch. Good. It's still early yet. I might make it after all. But first I need to find out if Tyrell got away. Mariah looks out into the open field as a red hue begins to line the horizon. Too early for the sun, but Mariah doesn't sleep well when she is being hunted. Bowing her head, she prays silently for God's protection this day. She's not sure what they will face, but she's happy she won't have to face it alone. Back in the stables, Susan tosses restlessly, caught in a dream reminding her of her old life. You gotta be more careful out there, girl. That man would have killed you. You have to learn not to be so trusting. Thank you, Gina. I don't know what I would do without you. It's okay now. What am I going to do now? I can't go back out there again. What if I run into another jerk with a knife? He looked like a nice guy. A typical paying customer. How am I to tell who I can trust and who I can't? Hey, now listen, girl. It wasn't your fault. You're just a kind, trusting person. It's in your nature. People like you are just too good for this world. There are people out there who will take advantage of that. But not to worry. You'll learn how to know the good Johns from the bad ones soon enough. Hey, you did the right thing by calling me, though. Gina, I don't know what to do. Gina cups Susan's chin, tilting her head so that she can see Susan's dampened eyes. I'll tell you what you're going to do. You're going to get back on that horse and get past this. You're going to learn from your mistakes and learn not to make them again. Remember the rules. Always get the money first. Keep the door in plain view. And always keep your mace at arm's length. You'll be fine. You'll see. You'll be just fine. Susan wakes up from her dream with tears in her eyes. She rolls over and notices reason. 
His eyes are open and staring at the rafters. She wipes her face and props herself up. Mariah isn't there. Susan guesses that she must be checking the perimeter, making sure they are safe. She notices reason once again. Can't sleep? No, I can't get that man from my vision out of my head. If he is one of us, I wonder how he's doing now. I can't sense him right now. I don't know if he's in pain or if... if he didn't make it. I should be there with him. Mariah came for me. I should have gone to help him. Reason, you couldn't have prevented what happened to him. It's not your fault. I don't know. Maybe you're right. Of course I'm right. There was nothing you could have done for him then. And this worrying isn't going to help him now. All we can do is pray. How did you become so wise all of a sudden? I don't know. Paternal instinct? Gina used to always say. What's the matter? Susan? Oh, nothing. Gina, is that your friend from your past? Yeah. I guess you could say that. Mariah walks into the stable. It is still very early in the morning. You both should be sleeping. You're going to need your rest. Couldn't sleep. Can't stop thinking of that guy in France. That's just as well, I guess. It should be getting light soon. And when it does, I think we ought to clear out of here and observe how this place operates. Maybe it's safe to stay here, but then again, who knows? I couldn't find another location close to this complex where we could hide out, so I'm hoping this will do. How about you, Mariah? Did you get any sleep? I'm a light sleeper. I can't seem to sleep well around big, unfamiliar animals, or horses either for that matter. They all smile, a short but pleasant break from a reality that faces them. Reason, you were saying about that guy in France. I was thinking maybe you should go there and find him. If you saw that he was okay, maybe you could rest a little easier. You could also tell him what you know, which would probably help him out with whatever he's battling with. I thought about that, Mariah. Believe me, I have. But I have a score to settle with Herrick first, before I get any rest. I'd rather my mother's soul rest easy. Hey, listen, I've got to go into town real quick. There's something that I have to do. What? I'll only be a few minutes. I'll be right back. Susan gets up to leave, and Reason stands to follow her. Wait, I'll go with you. Uh, no, that's all right. I'll be okay. Susan, I think it'd be safer if... Reason, please, I'll be fine. I can use this time alone to clear my head anyway. I'll only be a few minutes. Susan walks outside of the staples. Reason tries to head her off, but Mariah stops him before he can reach the exit. Susan, let her go. But what if the Dominion are out there waiting for her? Reason, just let her go. I wanted to ask you, how much do you know about Susan? What do you mean? Don't take this the wrong way. But would you say that you could trust her with your life? What? Of course I could. Maybe I don't know her that well, but I'm not sure I trust her completely. Have you two ever been apart since you met? What do you mean you don't trust her? Reason, have you two ever been apart since you met? No. And all of a sudden, tell you what, I'm just going to follow her just to make sure she stays out of trouble. I'll go with you. You don't have to. I can handle this. I insist. The sun is up and life begins to stir in the small town. Outside of a strip mall, 
Agarmane marches decisively through the doors of one of the shops, a large, dimly lit, multi-level coffee shop. He stops in the doorfront, scanning the occupants for his prize. Dominion operatives Kane and Sasha are at his side. How can you be sure that he's here? I'm sure. The door opens behind them. It is Vice, another Dominion operative who approaches the trio with a photo in his hand. A lady outside says that she saw a man fitting Terence's description come in about 20 minutes ago. Sasha, you work your way around the back. Vice, stay with me. And I'll go right up the middle. Agravain makes his way deeper into the coffee house. Kane shoots him a dirty glance, but knows he can't oppose him. The trio began to fan out. In the south wing of the coffee house, Terrence sits in the corner booth sipping a latte and holding a newspaper in front of his face, glancing over the pages every so often to see if he can spot his partner. Tyrell, where are you? Susan appears in the doorway where Agravain stood only a few moments earlier. Looking around quickly, she notices a phone booth nestled between the men's and women's restrooms at the far end of the shop. She looks around nervously and quickly shuffles toward the phone booth. She lifts the phone off the hook, pausing before she dies. What is that number? This is taking too long. Something must have held up Tyrell, or worse. Either way, Terrence knows that he can't stay in one location too long. He folds up his newspaper and begins to make his way toward the side exit of the coffee house. Agravain turns the corner and looks at the booth where Terrence once sat. Susan notices him and quickly hunkers down, hiding herself from view in the booth. She plants the receiver tight against her beating chest. Mariah slinks through the front door, noticing right away where Susan is. Agravain catches a glimpse of Terrence walking around the corner to the side exit. The small blue light from his Bluetooth communicator in his ear lights up when Agravain speaks. I see him. Good. Agravain, hold your position. Disregarding Kane's order, Agravain makes his way toward Terrence. I said hold your position. Terrence looks back and notices the hulking figure approaching. Agravain pulls out a sword in his advance. Terrence runs, knowing exactly where the exit is. Chairs, tables, and patrons are pushed out of the way as Terrence stumbles toward the exit, followed closely by Agravain. The pursuit nears the phone booth where Susan is hiding. She is sure that Agravain will notice her. She decides to make a run for it, but before she can take a step down the hallway, a hand covers Susan's mouth and pulls her into one of the bathrooms. Stay quiet. Terrence and Agravain almost knock over the phone booth as they pass. People stream out of the building as if it is on fire. Sasha, Kane, and Vice coordinate toward the south exit with guns drawn. Reason peeks out of the restroom as Mariah approaches. Are you all right? Yeah, that was close. Was that who I think it was? Agravain? He looked like him, but that's impossible. I killed him. And who was that guy they were chasing? I don't know. But if they want to catch him so badly, he must be important. I don't know, but somehow I feel like if they catch him, that could be bad then we can't let that happen. Let's go. Reason leads Susan out by the arm. After this is over, I think we have some things to talk about. Terrence runs along the winding back alley. He already had his escape planned. He knows that this back alley dead ends into a school parking lot. If he can make it toward the playground area, he can get lost in the backwoods where they'll never find him. But that is more than 200 yards away, and Agravain is faster than he is. 
Terrence rounds the last corner before reaching the parking lot but plows headlong into Vice who steps out in front of him. They both fall crashing to the ground. Terrence tries to scamper back to his feet but Vice has him by the leg. Gotcha! In the scuffle, Terrence buries his knee into Vice's gut. Then he kicks him in the face allowing enough space to wiggle free and get to his feet but not before Sasha and Kane block the exit. Terrence turns around to go back the way he came, but Agravane stands in his way with sword drawn. With both pathways blocked, Terrence tries to scale the brick wall in a vain attempt to get away. The ledge is too high. He presses his back against the wall, knowing that his time is up. We've got him. Time for you to die. No, Agravane. Don't kill him yet. We have to find out who he's talked to. Kane steps in Agravain's path, only to be slung out of the way. Agravain confidently makes his way toward Terrence. Agravain, stop! A young couple walks by the alleyway, noticing the confrontation, not sure if they should help or call the police. What are you looking at? Sasha raises her gun, and they run off. <laughs> in an effort to distance himself from the approaching Agravain, Terrence tries to run through Sasha and Vice, but they hold him fast. Terrence closes his eyes in defeat. Agravain catches a glimpse of Reason who jumps from the top of the wall and lands between him and his victim. Reason positions Gavagai ready to defend Terrence. Reason. Excellent. I get to kill two birds with one sword. Not if I have anything to say about it. This time you stay dead. Agravain rushes Reason who blocks his stroke. Steel meets titanium in a flurry of action. Reason has gained respect for Agravain's strength. His weakness is his left side when he overextends his stroke. Reason takes advantage and kicks Agravain in the gut, sending him back a few steps. That only makes Agravain more determined. Sasha tries to position herself for a clean shot at Reason, but Agravain is too big. There's no need for you to shoot him. Why not? Our witches tell us that any member of the opposition will only die by sword. You may be able to wound him, but fate will keep him alive. It is Agravain's job to bring him down but I do want you to capture Terrence. Almost before he could finish his sentence, Sasha's gun is cut in half as Mariah surprises them both. Mariah kicks Sasha in the stomach, then a swift kick to the face, sending her against the wall as she slides to the ground. You! Kane makes his way toward Mariah, raising his gun, but she runs at him, leaping high. She uses him as a springboard and flips over him, landing like a cat. The gun goes off, but he loses his grip and it falls to the ground. The bullet wasn't even close. Come on. Mariah trains her eye on the gun. It is closer to him than it is to her. Vice appears behind her with a gun trained at her back. Kane sees him and tries to keep her attention focused on him. Before Vice can pull the trigger, Susan Uh. tackles him. The gun goes off, missing Mariah. She turns, startled. Kane rushes her, kicking her in the face. Landing on her back, she uses her leg to swipe his feet, sending him to the ground. Reason runs up the wall and does a backflip as Agravain closes, landing behind the big man. He tries to strike with his staff, but Agravain places his sword behind him, anticipating the move. Vice wrestles off Susan and gets to his feet, now pointing the gun at her. Mariah throws her sword, catching Vice in the shoulder, forcing the gun out of his hand and him to the ground. Kane shuffles to his feet, but not before Mariah punches him in the face and Roundhouse kicks him in the gut hard enough that she thinks she hears something break when he slams against the brick wall. Susan kicks Vice's gun far out of reach and rushes next to Terrence, who doesn't seem to know whether to help or to flee. It is a standoff between Reason and Agravain. 
Aggravain is stronger, but Reason is quicker. Every attack is met with a parry, but Reason is getting tired. Mariah pulls her sword out of Vice's shoulder and looks to join Reason. Kane gathers himself up and begins to make his way down the alley. Sasha helps Vice to his feet and they scamper off. Aggravain parries Reason's overhead stroke and pushes him back a few feet. He looks at the approaching Mariah, then back at Reason. I'll be seeing you soon. Aggravain quickly sheathes his sword and with three bounding strides leaps high enough to reach the top of the wall and pull himself up. Reason positions Gavagai in a pole vaulting hold, ready to follow, but Mariah grabs his arm before he can. Reason, no! I can't let him get away. We have to get out of here now. He's leading you into a trap. The operatives have already radioed their headquarters. They know we're here. They're setting up a trap. Look, the man they call Aggravain isn't going anywhere. Aggravain looks down at his four enemies. He smiles, but doesn't leave. Coordinate on my position. The Bluetooth communicator in Aggravain's ear lights up when Kane radios in. His eyes narrow as he realizes Mariah and Reason aren't taking the bait. They are just standing below, watching. Reason looks up, noticing a helicopter approaching. You see? They're on to us. Let's get out of here. Let's go. Mariah's cherry red Ferrari quickly pulls up. Susan is behind the wheel with Terrence at her side. Come on, let's go now. They're sending reinforcements. Mariah and Reason squeeze in. It isn't comfortable, but it'll have to work. Reason. Aggravain jumps off the ledge, pursuing the car on foot. It's no good. Even his legs are no match for a moving vehicle. Aggravain notices a businessman on a cell getting into his BMW. Then he approaches him. Before the man can put the keys in the ignition, Aggravain forces the door open and grabs the man by the arm. Their eyes meet. Aggravain begins to shake. His face strained in concentration or pain. The man doesn't know which. Red wisps that only Aggravain can see seep out of his eye sockets and stream into the man. The man stops struggling and grows eerily calm. Falden. The car speeds off. Aggravain watches it drive away, then walks away angrily. Reason, Mariah, Susan, and their new prize, Terrence, walk into the stables where they slept last night. They all take seats on bales of hay scattered throughout the space. No one speaks. With vacant eyes, they try to make sense of what just happened. Slowly, all eyes focus on Terrence, a black man in his mid-thirties. Though he looks unremarkable, he was a former mid-level lab operative privy to many of the Dominion secrets. One of the reasons the Dominion want him silenced. But at least for now, he has a reprieve. Is everyone okay? So, my name is Reason. This is Mariah and Susan. Don't tell him our names. He could be a plant. Mariah, not everything is a conspiracy. They almost killed this man, remember? So you are Reason. Reason of the opposition. Yes, I'm Reason, but... I don't know about this opposition you speak of. You are him. You're the one I've been looking for. You've been looking for me? My birth name is Troy Walburn. Mariah does have reason for concern. I used to be an operative within the Dominion Empire. They gave me the name Terrence. 
One day at headquarters, I overheard two operatives talking about Christianity and Christ. It is common knowledge that that is never allowed. As a matter of fact, before then, I don't think it has ever been done, at least not within the walls of the Empire. I was going to report them, but somehow Herrick already knew what they were doing. He immediately had the operative killed, and they put the other on probation. The one that lived was named Tyrell. I began to think about what they were talking about. He was afraid that the Bible was right. He was trying to come to terms with the knowledge that possibly everything that he had been taught might be a lie. You see, we were always taught that the Dominion wins, that Satan will win over God. But I heard him tell Tyrell that the Bible plainly states, there is no wisdom, no insight, no plan that can succeed against the Lord. I think that they both knew that one side was grossly misled. On my off hours, I secretly read some of the scriptures. I would hide the Bible about a mile or so off Dominion grounds. Tyrell eventually agreed to meet with me and talk about this forbidden text, even though we both knew it could mean our lives. Soon we became good friends. He actually became a believer. I didn't know what to think, but I began to feel as though I wanted no part of any religion. Not the Dominion, not Christianity, not anything. We agreed to defect, but somehow they knew we were leaving. I don't think he made it. We were supposed to meet at the strip mall. He never showed up. Well, if you've been in the Dominion, you must know everything about them. Who is Agravain? He's considered one of the Dominion Empire's champions. He is infused with demons from the Eighth Circle of Corinth and is assigned to kill you. There are six others assigned to kill the remaining six members of the opposition. Mariah, I believe that you are one of the opposition as well. So, what about the others like us? There are a total of seven. Seven that have the Dominion Empire shaking in their boots. Why are they afraid? They seem to have so much power. It's a long story. We seem to have plenty of time. Terence draws one of his knees under his chin and looks at the three who return his gaze with rapt attention. He sighs heavy, knowing that he is about to reveal information that hasn't been heard outside of the Dominion Empire for decades. Centuries ago, a well-financed, growing global satanic cult operation was born. It was called the Dominion Empire. Through the years, they have concentrated on gaining new recruits for the organization as well as planned attacks against the Christian movement. Throughout their entire existence, they were assembled for one primary purpose, the unleashing. Only the head warlocks understand exactly what the unleashing is, but some of the operatives like Tyrell and myself all gather that at the time of the unleashing, everything will change. Something extraordinary is supposed to happen. Their only fear is that a group of opposition will oppose them. That opposition is you. Through their divining magics and consultations with mediums through witchcraft, all they knew was that there would be seven. They didn't know if you would be seven small groups of people or seven individuals. Some even thought you could be in the form of animals or even something more symbolic. Nevertheless, they knew that there would be seven. Seven entities whose identity was hidden from them until recently. They also knew that they only had a window of about three days to find out who you were and to kill you before you would come to know yourselves. Later, they found out that your identity was hidden because you all just recently became followers of Christ. Tell us about the Dominion Empire itself. Who is a part of this organization? 
the Dominion is primarily made up of Dominion operatives, which are basically recruits with a rank. They are sanctioned by the leaders of the Dominion to do the work of the organization. These are basic people like you and me. They're doctors, lawyers, teachers. Actively, there are about 16,000 Dominion operatives worldwide, and approximately 7,000 of those operatives are here within the United States. These individuals are dedicated to the point of death, and they can be anyone from ages 12 to 80. Before they can even become operatives, they must pass the training where they graduate by pledging their allegiance to Satan. The actual leaders of the Dominion are made up of seven high-ranking witches and warlocks that have literally sold their soul to Satan. They are positioned all over the world. They each have a first, the highest operative rank that anyone can be assigned. They also each have about a dozen witches and warlocks under their command. And now, they all have a champion. Agravain is the one for the Western United States. That's your sector reason. Mariah, you must be from the East. I believe that your champion's name is Manituk. These are not their real names, but are given to them by the Dominion Order. Terence winces and holds his forehead. Are you all right? Ah, it's my head. I have a major headache. Susan walks over to comfort him. I know that by telling you all of this, it could mean my life. But I had no one else to go to. They wouldn't let me leave without killing me. This may be the safest place I could be right now. Herrick's new keep is almost fully operational. Operatives bustle through corridors as if in a hurry. Deeper inside, within Herrick's private chambers, it seems as though he has called a private meeting. Only Kane, Agravain, and two operatives, most likely bodyguards, stand in attendance. So, what happened? Why is Terrence still alive? Why is Reason still roaming around? Can someone please answer these seemingly simple questions? Kane, I only asked one thing of you. You have failed. Give me another chance, Excellency. The only reason that they are not in your possession right now is because Agravain doesn't obey my orders. Give me a little authority and you will have them. I've given you everything you've asked for up to now. What would a little authority do? You know I do not tolerate failure. I've given you more than one chance. That is more than I gave your predecessor, Raven. You, Cain, have outlived your usefulness. Take him to the pit. The two operatives roughly grab Cain by the arm and lead him away, even as he gives one last plea. No! Lord Herrick, I will prove myself to you! Just let me serve you! Now, Agravain, what am I to do now? You need not worry. I have possessed a civilian to follow them. I know where they are located. Terence is laying down now. His headache seems to have grown more severe. Susan continues to try and comfort him, but he continues to whisper words that don't make sense. She dabs his forehead with a damp washcloth that she found next to her horse feeder. Reason stands in the doorway, peering out into the vast pasture. Mariah sidles up next to him. Penny for your thoughts? Hearing what he just told us doesn't make me feel any more comfortable. As a matter of fact, I'm more worried. What was he talking about, this unleashing? And if it is what he says it is, and if we have been grafted by God to be the opposition for its coming, 
That's a lot of weight for anyone to carry. That's true. But remember, you don't have to carry it alone. I know, I know. God is always with us. No, that's not what I meant. He told us that there are others out there like us. We thought that was the case before, but now we know for sure. Hopefully, they're all okay. Nevertheless, as you can see, we're not all alone in this. We have allies we haven't even met. Mariah notices Susan approaching. Terrence lay still behind her on the hay. I think he's passed out. He's not moving. I don't know what's wrong with him. I think he is still alive. I can see his stomach moving. Let me see him. Mariah makes her way toward Terrence. Susan begins to follow but feels Reason's hand on her shoulder. Susan, I've been meaning to talk to you. I wanted to ask you what you were doing this morning and why you couldn't tell me about it. All I wanted to do is call a friend. You can't keep me from talking to who I consider to be my only family. I don't believe you didn't trust me. What did you think I was going to do? Why did you follow me? Susan, this isn't an issue of trust. Of course I trust you, but you could have been killed. It's just that your actions seemed out of character, that's all. You know you can talk to me about anything, even your past. I can't talk to you in front of her. Besides, I think if we are supposed to be working together, you should be able to trust me and not follow the whims of someone you've just met. I bet she put you up to following me, didn't she? Well, you have to admit, it seemed a little cloak and dagger. If we're going to be a team, all of us, I mean, there has to be total trust. There can't be anything you can't tell me, even in front of Mariah. All I wanted to do is call Gina. Sometimes I just feel smothered like I can't breathe. I don't know if I want to be wrapped up in this. Susan, you know you can depend on me, right? I will never let anything happen to you. We're linked, you know. What more incentive do you need when God tells you through a dream that you're supposed to be my helper? You know, Reason, you're the best thing that's come out of this whole situation. I'm sorry. Sometimes I know I get a little spastic. One of my small idiosyncrasies. I know I can depend on you. Reason embraces her. She plants her face deep in his chest knowing that he's right. They are linked. You can I'll always be there for you. Dominion scientists encode readings, take measurements, and finish performing their standard set of tests on Agravain, making sure that he is in optimal condition. Though this time things are a little different, a milestone is taking place within the walls of the Dominion Empire. The scientists try to mask their awe at not one, but two Dominion champions they have just examined. One scientist nods toward Herrick, indicating the tests are complete. I marvel at the sight. Two Dominion champions in one room, Agravain and Banatook. It was most excellent of Sylvia to lend me her champion. I hope that the both of you can eradicate the two opposition within my sector. I'm not sure how much that loose cannon Terrence told them about us, but he is no longer a threat. I made sure of that. Nevertheless, I want you to take care of them, all of them, by any means necessary. The network of horse stables that currently provide shelter to Reason, Mariah, Susan, and Terrence is quite large. With six shelters housing 24 horses each and several acres of land for riding and training, it is amazing that things have been as quiet as they have. Mariah knows the feeding schedule, so they haven't been caught yet. 
Usually it is difficult for Mariah to sleep, but this night she drifted off with little problem. While they sleep, no one is aware that Terrence is running a high fever, one that is getting higher by the minute. At this pace, he'll be comatose within the hour. In his delirium, he remembers the events of the last 24 hours. Terrence's eyes snap open. His head feels like it is about to explode. This can't be natural. It feels almost demonic. He tries to scream but can't. Stumbling to his feet, his mind begins to function, becoming aware of what is happening. Even though he can't speak, in his mind, his thoughts sound audible. They're here. They're coming to get me. I'm not safe here. Terrence makes his way toward the door and stumbles into the night. I can't be found. I have to get out of here. On the outskirts of the property, a man stands next to his car dressed in his business suit. His eyes are glazed over, looking in the direction where Reason sleeps. Agravain walks up to him. In a zombie-like state, the man points in the direction of the stables. Terrence shuffles through the leaves, stumbling. Almost losing his balance, he props himself up against a large oak tree. Through his misty eyes, he thinks he sees Agravain in the distance. He watches in horror as Agravain grabs the businessman by his shoulders and looks him deep in his eyes. After a few moments, the man hemorrhages and falls limp to the ground. Three other operatives join him. Sasha, Graman, and Sarek unholster their weapons. They, they're here. I, I have to warn the others. Terrence gathers enough strength to turn back toward the stables, but before he can take one step, Manituk blocks his path. Terrence watches Manituk raise his sword high. The blade comes down heavy, killing him instantly. At that very moment, Mariah sits up as if doused by a glass of water. She looks around nervously, knowing that something isn't right. Terrence, where's Terrence? Reason, Susan, wake up! They rouse awake quickly. Soft glows of red that only Mariah and Reason can see dance in the distance outside the stable windows. Something's wrong. Do you feel it, Reason? Yes, I do. Everybody get up. Weapons extend and unsheath. Reason grabs Susan's arm and they place their backs against the wall. They stand quietly, hearts pounding and nerves on edge. Susan breaks the silence. God, please protect us from whatever is happening. Help us, God, to survive and protect one another so that we can do whatever it is that you are preparing us to do. We depend on you, God, and not ourselves. The Bible tells us to do that. Help us to have the strength to look to you for help in this time of need. Amen. 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 Susan turns, standing on her toes to peek outside the window. 
she sees movement. It's the Dominion. They're surrounding us. We have to get out of here. They look around frantically. Mariah notices a few missing boards on the rafters. Up there. Vice, one of the Dominion operatives, is dressed in black with black paint around his face. He speaks into his cell phone. I think we have them. Terrence is dead. I think we should probably get the chopper down here just in case. Our operatives are almost in position. Agravain and Manitouk are ready. With speed and systematic precision, Agravain and Manitouk secure the stable complex while the three operatives attempt to monitor the perimeter. Nothing goes in and nothing comes out, alive anyway. The third structure the Dominion champions enter gives them pause. This is it. This is the stable where Mariah and Reason once resided. After a quick scan, Agravain notices that planks within the rafters have been disturbed. They're on the roof. I know. I can smell them. Reason, Mariah, and Susan find sure footing on the roof. They stay as low and as quiet as they can, checking their position. Look, over there. We can climb down there and make a mad dash to your car, Mariah. It doesn't look like they've noticed it behind that small shack. We just might be able to make it. Just in case we all don't, whoever does, just keep moving. I don't know if I can do this. Yes, you can. Just keep your head down and keep praying. I don't think they've spotted us yet. Ready? Go! There they are, on the roof! Before they can make it off the roof, the gunshots force Mariah flat on the surface. Susan, struck with fear, bolts to the edge of the roof and shimmies down a pole that is leaning against the stable. She slips and falls to the ground, only shaken up. Susan! Aggravate tosses loose boards to the side and pulls himself up from the rafters onto the roof. Remaining low, Reason grabs Mariah's hand in preparation for a daring leap off the building toward the car that is hidden. Before they can move, their exit is blocked by Manitou, who scaled the side of the structure, cutting off their escape. Susan looks up from the ground helplessly and watches as a bullet whistles past Aggravain's ear. Stop firing. We'll handle this. Cease fire! Cease fire! Reason, I told you that I would see you soon. I see you brought a friend with you this time. Smart move. Mariah, I hope you missed me. Manitou tauntingly blows her a kiss. Mariah positions her weapon in a defensive posture and spits defiantly. Let's do this. I've got Manitou. And I'll take walking dead here. Each person advances. Reason uses Gavagai to pole vault into Agravain before his sword can be drawn. Agravain loses his balance, landing awkwardly on the weak surface. It gives way as Agravain plummets to the lower level. Without giving him time to recover, Reason follows right behind him with Gavagai held high, ready to bring a death blow to Agravain's exposed head. Agravain's too quick and draws his weapon just in time to block Reason's stroke. The weight of Reason only brings Reason face-to-face with Agravain. Agravain kicks Reason in the knee of his knee, sending him back a few steps with a slight hobble. He finds his footing, ready to advance another attack. Mariah's special connection with Reason causes her to feel the pain in his knee. She shakes it off and brings her sword up to block Manitouk's stroke. She goes on the offensive, pressing with a series of blows. 
Manitou counters each one, retreating to the edge of the roof. She presses in with her last blow, connecting and pushing. Their faces meet. Good. Now my turn. His amazing strength pushes her back. He presses with moves that she hasn't seen before. Nevertheless, she counters, though wondering if he is more than a match for her. Out of frustration, she goes for the death blow, trying to take Manitouk's head. He ducks, avoiding her extended effort and catches her in the stomach with his fist, then uppercuts her in the chin, lifting her off of her feet, and she falls, crashing through the weak spot in the room. Mariah lands awkwardly, and Merce, her sword, slides out of her grasp. Manitou laughs as he looks down at her. Susan gathers herself, wincing from her recent gunshot wound. She musters enough strength to crawl behind a few feed crates. Looking around, she notices two Dominion operatives watching the battle. It is not Vice, Sasha, or Gromit. Susan thinks she sees money pass hands as if they are betting on the outcome. Refocusing her attention on Mariah's car, it looks like the path is clear from here. Visibly shaken, Mariah reaches for her weapon. Just as she grabs hold of it, Manitou lands in front of her. She has just enough time to block his blow that is aimed at her head. She tries to shake off the stinger felt in her left arm from the fall. Manitou smells her fear and her pain. He presses relentlessly. She can't find sure footing but scampers back, blocking his stroke with great effort. Manitou swings strong, sending her parry wide. Wide enough for his boot to land on her wrist, pinning her to the ground. Mariah gives a swift kick to the back of his leg, hoping it is enough to free her arm. It is. Reason ducks low as Agravain's weapon clips the top of his hair. He comes up quick with Gavagai, hitting Agravain's sword arm. The singing sword topples out of his hand. Reason delivers a roundhouse kick, powerful enough to send Agravain through the locked wooden gate containing one of the horses. Reason continues to work Agravain over with kicks as well as titanium blows. Manitou changes tactics, overpowering Mariah with his bare hands. He picks her up and throws her against the wall. She falls against the table, losing her sword once again and crumbles to the ground. Manitou picks up his weapon and notices that Agravain is losing his battle with Reason. Reason's back is exposed. Susan cautiously opens the driver's door of the car. The Dominion operatives are unaware of her activity, but they hear the car start in the distance. Did you hear that? Hear what? That! Susan recklessly drives through the area where the operatives were standing, bowling over both of them with the car and hitting a patch of dirt that almost flips the Ferrari over. Reason! Look out! Mariah musters her strength, grabs her sword and throws it toward Manitou, who is poised, ready to strike at Reason's exposed back. It sinks inside his thigh, deep enough to go through his knee. Reason turns in surprise and gives him a quick kick in the face, sending the large man to the ground. Sounds of gunshots and squealing tires grab Reason and Mariah's attention. Susan is in trouble. Let's get out of here quick. Reason grabs Mariah's sword and uses his foot to push Manitouk off of the blade. Susan turns sharp, almost slamming to the doorway of the stable. She notices Reason with Mariah under his arm. Agravain is gathering his wits about him. Battered and bruised, he helps the injured Manitouk to his feet. They both watch the car speed off. The car carrying their prize. Once again, victory slips through their grasp.
Susan, still panicked from their recent encounter, drives as if they are still in danger. Mariah and Reason are tossed about on the uneven road. Susan begins to calm down. It is still dark, and there seems to be no one on the road. It doesn't look like they've been followed. We need to go to the east. I have a safe house in New York. An underground one. Yeah, that sounds like a really good idea right now. No, I can't do that. What do you mean you can't? It's either that or we'll have to continue to be on the move, never settling anywhere for more than a night. I'm sorry, Reason. I just can't. Why? I have my reasons. Let's just leave it at that. Just give me a few more days to work some things out, okay? Mariah glares at her disapprovingly. Susan doesn't notice. A myriad of things are running through her head, and surprisingly, finding a new safe house isn't one of them. We'll talk about this later. Let's at least get out of state and find a place to get ourselves together and pray about what our next step should be. Remember, this isn't about what we want. It's about what God wants. 